self-sabotage. We'll talk about that on this episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host or guest and should not be interpreted as statement of fact. Independent fact-checking and corrections are encouraged. This episode is brought to you by FunWise Capital. FunWise Capital is a business lender matching platform. Avoid the mystery of one-sided deals. Connect with FunWise to get the very best funding you can qualify for fast. You can apply online in 60 seconds or less, and there's no effect to your credit to see how much you can get. It's easy. Use the funding for anything you need to start or grow your business. You did hear me correctly. I did say start or grow your business. If you don't have a business yet, but you got a solid business plan, they can help you get funding. Get the best funding you can qualify for. Their strategic lender matching platform searches through hundreds of lenders to find the very best possible option for your unique situation. They have hundreds of five-star reviews on Google, Trustpilot, and Facebook, and an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. They provide unsecured lines of credit at 0% interest for 9 to 15 months. Unsecured term loans, loans based on income, short-term gap funding, and bridge loans. They work with real estate, startups like I already mentioned, franchises, restaurants, any kind of business, any kind of project. To get started, it's really easy. Just go to apply.funwise.com slash minddog. That's apply.funwise.com slash minddog. Get money for your business now. Fly.funwise.com slash mind dog. Is everybody ready for the mind dog to make it the show? <clears throat> ready or not, here we come. And welcome, my friends, to yet another episode of the Mind Dog TV podcast. I'm Matt Napo. Thanks for coming. It's great to have you here, as always. Tonight, we're going to talk about self-sabotage. What exactly is it? What do we mean by it? How do you deal with it? How do you get past it? And all that kind of stuff. I think, you know, I, I encourage people to keep an open mind about every kind of avenue that is open to us. We're dealing with stuff that might cause problems with our lives. And I, um, I know... I've heard a lot of backlash from uh, people who have been critics of of the, some of the guests that I've had on about self help stuff, and, um, and you know part of part of the um, part of the perception is that you need to be perfect in order to help other people improve their lives, and I, I think that's unfair, and I don't think it's necessarily. Um, uh, going to be uh, helpful in people moving past whatever it is that is uh, blocking them from dealing with the issues that they feel they need to uh, to deal with. Uh, so keep that in mind uh, for this and not only this program, but anytime we have somebody who on who is a guest who uh, is offering people maybe uh, a different way of uh, finding help for themselves. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight, self-sabotage. What is it? How do you get past it? How do you deal with it? Bo Bissett helps others to find some uh, subconscious self-sabotaging behaviors they're repeating that are keeping them from living their potential. I wonder if he can help me learn to read. He helps them deal with addiction, healing relationships, learning self-love, building confidence, and finding their true purpose. He created a system called Ammonia, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, to find the emotional blocks, move them, and build a foundation of positivity to affect lasting change. Ladies and gentlemen, please open your ears, open your minds, and help me welcome in Bo Bissett to the Mind Dog TV podcast. Bo, welcome. Hey, thanks, Matt. How are you doing today? Today. I'm do- I'm doing well. Uh, you know, you're American, yes. Yes, I am. Yeah, I you know I I should have looked in your bio, and I I'm not even sure that would have been there. But I talk to people all over the world, so I just want to make sure <laughs> of those. No, things. I'm I am American, but I live in Taiwan. Where? Taiwan. Wow. Yeah. So we got a pretty good connection there, all the way around the world. That's <laughs> very cool. Yeah. How yeah, long yeah. you been? How long I you been, been over there? Of uh, five, I've been in the place, the the city that I'm in now. I'm in the south of Taiwan, called a city called Kaohsiung. It's the second largest city in the uh, country. I've been here about five years. 
Actually, wow. five. Oh, I forgot. I was five years. I got here five uh, five years ago on July fourth. So I've been here like yeah, five years in a day. Wow, very cool. Uh, yeah, man. That I'm almost I'm almost interested in making the entire program about uh, what's what it's like to live in Taiwan. But the people here want to talk about self want to hear about self sabotage. So I, we'll, we'll, we'll go to that. But I am interested in that. That's a very uh, how, how an American ends up living there and why and all that stuff. But we don't have time for that. Well, actually, I'll get into that when we talk about self-sabotage. But yeah, uh, the short, you know, the short on uh, short and skinny on Taiwan is a beautiful little island right off the coast of uh, China. And it's uh, yeah, man, it's it's really it's it's a beautiful little place. Uh, The the western side of the country is uh, mostly developed uh, because there's a central mountain range that blocks the uh, the west coast from the typhoons that come in here during uh, basically it's the same uh, hurricane season that y'all got, that we have back in the states, right? Um, so there's very little development on the east coast, and uh, yeah, from the Central Mountain Range east, it's, it's unbelievable. It's like some unspoiled beauty. It's almost like you end up some places that look like you know Jurassic, from Jurassic Park or whatever. Or some that's really it's really nice. Right. And uh, there's no um, I, I should know this as well, but there's no uh, um difficulty in you being able to freely uh communicate with with somebody outside the country or back back in the usa uh isn't monitoring no no taiwan's a democratic country um and but the un does not recognize taiwan as their own country and china in fact is uh knocking on the door right now to to reclaim taiwan kind of like they did with hong kong so. i know i know that and that's that 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 was would be my concern about that now uh, if, if we can um uh, yeah I, I would love to to learn more about this <laughs> no, I, worries, I, I no really worries. would uh but time is short and people people want to know about the subject that we're, we're here to talk about tonight so self-sabotage how would you define that before we before we start talking about it how do you define what self-sabotage is Self-sabotage is the, the, the thoughts, words, deeds, emotions, uh, the energy that we give off that are keeping us uh, repeating the same uh, same behaviors, see, that we're that are run that are running our lives. And most of us are, are controlled by a, by a child, by our own inner child, by the emotions that we program in our uh, childhood years. And those emotions are now or later decades later running the way that we we uh, per se perceive ourselves and the way that we act around money and family and uh, food and health and exercise and I mean, everything that we co- have come in contact with so um yeah self-sabotage is the, the 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 things that we think say do and feel that are keeping us from realizing our potential Okay, so now how did you uh, come across uh, with the method that you are using to, uh, I mm-hmm. guess, discover mm-hmm. what your what your own self sabotaging behaviors were? Yeah, that's a perfect way to uh, perfect way to describe what I do. Uh, this discovery, um, the the system that I use is called Amo Ni. Amo in Spanish means I love. Ni in Chinese means you. So together, blended, it means I love you. And so. We use muscle testing, uh, self-muscle testing, to go in and uh, establish a direct line of communication with the subconscious. With the muscle testing, we we ask questions, yes or no questions. And with the way that I use it, um, I use uh, my left hand as my control hand, and my right hand as my testing hand. So I make a little uh, make a loop with my left hand, with my index finger and thumb, and then with my right hand, pinky and thumb. And this is yes, is a strong, strong. Uh, the the muscles the links stay together and no no and the the links break. Um, I first learned about muscle testing maybe twenty years ago and like the the first way I learned was you have one individual that stands with their arm out and the, the testing uh, as the subject and then the other individual asks questions and the, the the theory behind muscle testing and kinesiology is that the muscle and uh, the the mind cannot hold a false thought and a, and the, the muscle tension at the same time. So if you ask a false question, then the then the arm the arm will drop when the tester 
pushes down on the arm. So the same thing works with the self-muscle testing. Very, very <sighs> interesting stuff. Now, <clears throat> did you come up with this method or did somebody teach you? Um, no, the, well, I, I went through a system called the spiral. Um, it was developed by an uh, Australian guy and I had been through dozens and dozens of stuff trying to get better, trying to heal my addictions, trying to heal my, my own self-sabotage with finance, with, uh, with relationships. I mean, basically we have a relationship with every single thing in our environment. You know, with the people that we, that with people that we are friends with, and our family, uh, our spouses, our partners, uh, we have a relationship with food, with, uh, with the computer that we're using, like every single thing, and then and the basis of each of those relationships is an emotion. And so, you know, for me, I was just, I was self-sabotaging on so many levels. It was just everything, like physically. Um, I'd, I'd gotten myself in so many different accidents and, and wrecks, two wrecks where I almost killed myself in my uh, late teens and early 20s. And then financially, like I was my, one of my big programs is running. Like, you know, as soon as I felt threatened or anxious or uh, just uh, upset or something, I would just run. And most people like quit a job or like, you know, or move to a different city. I moved to different countries. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I get it. You you asked how I got in Taiwan, so that's one. That's uh, that's how I got to Taiwan. So I initially left America and I ended up in uh, Europe, and then I bounced around Europe, and then I ended up in Asia, and then I bounced around Asia. And I'm like, I've been all over, man, just running and running and running. What were you running from? Myself. You know, mm. I was running from you know for. Uh, no, you know, that was my initial program. See, when I was 12 years old, my parents sat me and my brother down and they told us, like, you know, we're getting a divorce. And I grew up in a small town in North Carolina and I know what a divorce was, but like none of my friends or their parents had been through a divorce. Right. So I freaked out. And the first thing I did, I jumped off. They they set us down in their bedroom. I jumped off the bed, ran through the bedroom, out of the house and just like Poof, I was gone. I came back later that night um, because I was 12 years old and I didn't know where else to go and I was hungry, right? Yeah. So I went home and, but that was my program. Like that had established that, that, that traumatic event. And see, that's, that's what establishes these, these, these emotions and these programs that we, that we install the traumatic events that we, that we embody the, the emotional reaction to that event. And it doesn't have to be like a big event, like a divorce or like a car wreck or anything like that. I mean, trauma, the, the, the definition of trauma is an emotional response. So we have emotional responses, especially as, a children, as, as children. That's how we make sense of the world. We gr we're constantly grabbing on to uh, what we see and what we experience, what we feel, what we think, you know, and what other people say, their energy. You know, you, your dad might come home from uh, work when you were eight years old and you run to go hug him and he's had a bad day and he's just like, he blows you off, right? He doesn't have to say anything. He didn't have to, he hadn't have to like, like touch you. He can just like turn the other way and like go into his office or whatever. And as an eight-year-old kid, boom, that's, that's in there. It's stuck, mm. right? So we've got thousands and thousands of those different programs running the way that we that we live our lives. And so the self-sabotage happens when that program, when a similar instance uh, occurs and that program cues, and we don't even know it. Like, we don't even know that it's, you know, that program is being played. You know, I was, of course, you know, I was aware that I was, you know, moving countries, you know, every time I, you know, broke up with a girlfriend or, you know, didn't like a job or something like that. But like, you know, it doesn't really register like, dude, you were actually running away from, you know, from these instances. And it's interesting I, way you characterize that because mm -hmm. I can relate to it because, <clears throat> first of all, I did run away from home at uh, 14 years old and I, I didn't come back that night. I, mm -hmm. uh, uh, so I established that. And basically it was a tra traumatic, a, a series of traumatic events that led to that. Um, 
But and I went to fly. I I lived in New York, and I, instead of uh, going getting on the school bus in the morning, I had a friend drive me to Eastern Airlines in in uh, LaGuardia Airport and took a one way flight to Orlando, Florida, and went there to live. Uh, so, at fourteen years old. At fourteen years old, yeah. Um, yeah. And and so. But I can, when you said about, you know, quitting jobs and things like that, that was definitely, I talked about this this morning on my my morning program in preparation for night, trying to explain to people what I think of self-sabotagers, because I know several times I had reached a pinnacle point or a turning point in my career where I was at a very high level and not wanting that and quit just just and, and many times i've had many careers and i get to a certain point where i push the envelope wanting to be uh, in a position of authority and more responsibility more responsibility and when i get enough responsibility that it scares me mm-hmm. <laughs> they i just quit flat, flat yeah. out quit like i need a change and more and walk away from it so a lot of what you're saying resonates with me in a lot of ways but mm-hmm. curious i don't i'm not that anymore and there's nothing that I did to change that except get older. Now, right. now I, I think I'm probably too old to run. Maybe that's the the answer for me, but I don't know. So I'm thinking about what it was that changed that for me. So I'm just curious. You, you got me interested now. Well, I'll tell you what changed you was awareness, right? And you know that's what I think. I just became aware this morning, though, Bo. <laughs> I mean, I think seriously. I'm thinking about it in those terms, and now when you just said this, that is, you know, resonates even more with me. Is that this mm-hmm. idea that that was my pattern? A flight was definitely my pattern for right. most of my life. It's not anymore, and I'm just thinking right. about it now. But I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, <laughs> I just it, I, I just think that uh, you know awareness is what. Uh, what offers us that change is like it finally, you know, it finally sinks in. Okay. Uh, now the awareness can come through. It can come through meditation. It can come through like you know, basket weaving. It can come through Amoni. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, being aware of our conscious or unconscious behaviors. And sometimes it comes in the form of a, of another traumatic incidence, right. That'll rock the boat and like, dude, whoa, you know, um, yeah, I don't want to make this all about me, but I, I, you, you're talking, and I'm. What you're saying is resonating with me, and I'm thinking that I dis, I made a conscious decision that I wasn't going to do that to myself anymore. Put myself in a position where I just got into something about taking on responsibility I didn't really want, and mm-hmm. to. And I'll tell you, I, I if I think about it now more clearly, um, there was a moment where I decided. Life is too short. I'm going to live the life that I was meant to live and live, live with the purpose that I want to, I want to live with rather than what other people want me to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And that's a moment of self-awareness. Um, exactly. Exactly. Is. Yeah. I can tell you wh- where that came from. I was um, having a conversation with uh, a guy I was buying an amplifier from and he was asking me uh, he, I met him in a parking lot and I could tell the guy was pretty wealthy but he was an old, older than me and uh, he, he said to me he asked what I did and I told him I play in a band and he told me oh wow you're living the dream and I laughed in his face not to be rude but I, it was just a natural response I said, you don't know the life I live I'm not a, a rich and famous rock star I'm a club level musician I play beaches and parties and weddings and whatever and he stopped me he said listen uh, I always wanted to play in a band. I, I'm selling you my amplifier. I'm retiring, and I'm selling you my amplifier. It means I'm never going to live the life I wanted to live. You're living the dream in far, as far as I was concerned. And that made me self-aware of the fact that, wow, you know, everybody has a different opinion of people from, sta- you know, standing outside of them and, and seeing them. You never really take that assessment of yourself. And what do I really want to do with my life? And uh, life is too short to to say, I always wanted to, but I never did. I got caught up in the, he was a stockbroker his whole life and didn't want to do that. That's not what he wanted to do with his life, but he traded his life away for that. And that right. was a very profound moment for me. And I said, you know what? I'm tired of living the rat race. I'm going to do what I want to do with, 
with there you go life. man that's exactly that's exactly it you weren't living you might not have been living your dream but you were living his dream right, right. so <laughs> But it was just a, something to think about and a perspective changer that here's a guy who had all the money, all the financial success in the world, but still wasn't happy. And looking at me saying, wow, I trade places with you. And that's that's a very, uh, you know, it's a humbling experience, but it's also one that makes you think, well, maybe I don't have it so bad. But if maybe, maybe I should just get out of doing because I was basically doing the same thing he was doing is I was working in corporate America doing things that weren't making me happy and wondering why I wasn't happy you know exactly. so big big point of it so on your website it says meditation because meditation is so so slow so or too slow um so how does with, with the method that you teach how does the, the discovery of self-awareness begin if if not with meditation what where do you where do you lead people to to kind of find out who they really are and what they really want to do with their lives? Well, the thing is, like with what I do, like uh, yes, you're right. The the hashtag I got there's meditation takes too long, and you know the thing is, like I still meditate, right? I meditate probably I don't know three four times a week, uh, and but the thing is, like it, it does, it just takes too long. I mean, you just basically sit there and you're quieting your mind, you're hoping for something to happen, right? Where the system that, that I use now, Amoni, is it's it's very uh, it's an active discovery. We use muscle testing to find the emotions that we've buried. Um, basically, the muscle testing helps establish a link, like a communication with the the, the 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 entity that's holding the keys to the castle, to to the, the has the answers to all the emotions that you've hidden and you've embodied. You know, embody the the term in body, we actually put these emotions in our body. It's our, our body is like a kind of like our high school hallway. And it's just like littered with lockers. And instead of books and notes, our body holds on to emotions. And once, uh, you know, these emotions, they, these, each emotions has a different frequency, like heavier, heavy emotions, like hate and, uh, uh, guilt and shame and anger these these things they, they vibrate at a, at a very heavy frequency whereas love and joy and happiness that have a very flowy have a very flowy uh, uh resonance uh, emotional resonance so like the the one one of the first books that i read was called molecules of emotion and when i started my healing journey and for me like that book was it was just really triggered me because i realized that the emotions that we experience affect us on a molecular level so you know a lot of the, the diseases that we experience a lot of the the injuries that we that, that we incur i believe start off as an emotional resonance that we have embodied and that we've anchored into our body some some of us hold it hold our emotions in our in, uh, like our big storage bins or like our knees. Some of us are liver. Some of us are heart. Some of us are neck or throat. It's just, it's, we, we embody emotions all over. And to be able to find those using muscle testing, I think it's just, it's just, for me, it was a life-changing experience. Then we use the muscle testing and then a meridian, uh, meridian chart, which is like a map of all the emotions of and where they're located in the body. So we use the muscle testing to find where those body, where those emotions are, uh, where those are located. Then we connect with them on a mental level, thinking, you know, we go back and we, we experience, uh, well, as using muscle testing, we find out where the, what age that this emotion was prevalent, what time, what, what age this uh, traumatic event happened. And then there are corresponding release points on the body that are that are uh, they're connected with these emotions and the places where we find them. Wow. Uh, and then we use a we use a, a breath a breath to help uh, move the emotion once we connect with it on a mental and physical level. And then when at the very end of each uh, session, we use our neurolinguistic programming to rewire the system and like grease the wheels of intention to send the person further down their path of their hopes and dreams. Um, nice. It's it's more the more you talk, the more I'm, it's sounding like this is not something that some somebody could do by themselves, right? Because or, or can they? The, the muscle testing and and all this stuff, you have to have somebody else there. 
asking the questions, right, and, and interpreting the, the answers, or am I wrong about that? No, well, at first, I think, like, you know, I serve as, like, I serve as, like, a guide. Like, I've been through this, and I know, like, how, you know, you know how to how to get to where I'm at, how to get out of that self-sabotage, how to get out of addiction, how to get out of all the programs that you're using to, to basically keep you stuck. Right. And, but through, through this work, I also teach the people that I work with through how to use this work because I don't like when I see somebody, like after I work with them, I don't want to see them again. Like, I want them to be able, I want to empower people. I want to give them the tools to be able to fix themselves. I don't want to hook somebody on a, oh, you got to come see me every month for, no, that's BS, man. Like you can fix yourself. We are all, we are all capable of healing. Like we can all heal our own selves. Like, you know, I think one of the biggest travesties of the last uh, probably century and a half is that, you know, first of all, like I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, uh, for the pharmaceutical industry. Like I was in several accidents. I got a staph infection where I almost killed myself. And it's just, you know, so modern medicine has saved my life. But there's a, there's a point where, you know, the marketing that the pharmaceutical industry has done is that it's, it's taken our hope away. And that hope is what we use to heal. See, the thing is, like, you know, you think about the process when when you get sick, right? Most people, when they get sick, they go to the doctor. they like, what's wrong? The doctor runs some tests and he's like, ah, I think this is it, right? And then he writes you a permission slip, a permission slip, a literal permission slip that you take to another doctor who then gives you the instrument that is supposed to help you heal. And all of our hopes is put in that little pill, that little purple pill, that little injection, that little you know, bottle of whatever it is. And, you know, the thing is, like, if you look at like the clinical trials for most of these drugs, like the placebo is more effective than the actual drug in many cases. Yeah. And yeah, so, I, you know, I, I hear that. Definitely. I think that we are, we are tended, we tend to want to take the easy solution and a pill is a lot easier than having to, to kind of face your own de inner demons without a doubt. Yeah, well, it's embodied in the, you know, look at the, the movie The Matrix, right? The whole thing is like for him to, you know, for him to, you know, get his, you know, to receive his consciousness, consciousness and move out of, you know, the, the machine world is to take a pill. Remember, it's the green pill or the red pill. Remember that? Or blue pill. I don't know, whatever. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, red or blue pill. So yeah. <clears throat> does traditional psychotherapy frown upon what, what you're talking about or do they accept it or is it part of? Because, when, you know, I, I do believe um, somewhat. And again, as, as I said in the intro, I think anything that, that works for people, I, I support. I don't mm -hmm. tell people there's not, there's not just one way. If, you, if you're looking for help or you're looking to help yourself, whatever works for you, that's great. Good for you. I'm glad to see it's working for you. But I know I, I do believe in kind of the, the talking cure, traditional psychotherapy and talking this stuff out. I know that takes a long time, too. Uh, mm -hmm. It takes a lot of years because at first you go in, you're with a psychotherapist. Normal people, most people are going to be not not fully open, not fully honest in for a while. It takes a while to Get, gain that trust, gain the rapport where you can be honest with yourself and then honest with the with the therapist. So exactly. And even it, then, like even when you're talking with another individual, right, you're there's always like a there's always like a, a shade or like, a, you know, a filter that you put on, you know. And so the thing is, like for me, like that kind of work, that's never worked. Um, like I've, I've done I've done so many different uh, modalities and gone to so many different doctors and just talked to so many different people. And like, I was went to this dude in uh, here in Taiwan that was jabbing me with a stick, like literally with a stick, like to help, you know, help me heal my, some of my physical injuries. And like, I've done so many different things and like nothing worked. And for me, like, you know, I would rather, you know, that's why what I would, what, what, I do now resonates with me so well and with, with the people that I work with is that, you know, it, you know, it empowers you. Like you, you take this work and you take the muscle testing and you take the, 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 the plan that we put together and you go in, you, you take the tools and you fix yourself. 
you know, why, 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 you know, why, uh, why rely on someone else to do the work that you can do yourself? Like we are all capable of healing ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Now I, I, I understand that now, but I do think, and maybe I'm wrong about this because I'm certainly no expert in it, but I've dealt with a, a lot of a lot of it in my life mm-hmm. of addiction, physical addiction to things like some drugs, I think, and some substances. And mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't always have to be a substance. We can be addicted to behaviors as well. Oh, but cool. some sub some substances create a physical addiction. Now, okay, can you deal with that just by? self-awareness and being aware of it and end it because you know it's something let's say i had a son who i lost to heroin addiction and Uh and been through rehab with him many times cleaned him up and all that stuff it doesn't it doesn't seem to me that self-awareness would have been enough to save him so well here's the thing like with addiction right there's a there you're exactly right there's a physical addiction that comes with you know, the substance that they're, the, the individual is abusing. Before I started down this path, I was drinking a case of beer a day, a day. Then at night I was drinking Jack Daniels to go to, to help go to sleep. Like the beer wasn't doing the, wasn't doing the work. Before, and that, I was back in America at the time. Uh, before I went back to America, I called my brother because I was like passing out in the streets drunk in Vietnam you know, in a third world country. And I was sniffing heroin. Wow. Man. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, there is a, there's a physical, uh, there are physical implications to addiction. Like, and I've experienced them first, firsthand. And so there, when you're overcoming addiction, there's two, you know, there's two, there's two levels to it. There's the physical part that you have to overcome but then there's the emotional part. The reason that the person is abusing heroin or uh, alcohol or food or work, it's not because like they want it. You know, they don't want to destroy themselves, not on a conscious level, but it's on a subconscious level. And that's those programs, those programs that are running, that are keeping them going back to the bottle or back to the, uh, the injection or back to the cake or what, whatever the you know the poison is that they're using right and so i you know the the most i have never been out of all the things that i've done i have never been more proud than owning addiction i can now i went from having a case of beer a day and then jack daniels at night to i can have a beer now when i want it i fought addiction i fought alcohol addiction for over 20 almost 25 years. Wow. And I drank, I drank like that. I drank like a fish and I, with the intention, I drank with the intention to put myself out. I just did not like myself. I didn't want to be in this body. I didn't want to be in this earth. And honestly, alcohol was the funnest way to numb myself. And to basically, I was like, you know, my heroes when I was young were like, uh, uh, Jim Morrison. You know, I wanted to go out like that. I wanted to pass like I wanted to pass out in a bathtub, you know, in my late 20s and 30s, you know, with a bottle of Jack Daniels in my hand and like, you know, say, all right, that's out. I'm I'm out. <laughs> yeah, not a, not a not a good uh, goal to have in life. I no, think. <laughs> exactly. Right. But the thing is, you know, that was not a conscious, you know, it's not a conscious goal. That was the way that I felt about myself, you know, on a subconscious level. And those are programs that I carry that I've eradicated. And as I was going through this work, um, when, when I was when I first experienced this work, I had an individual take me through and I was like, I was like, man, you know, these emotions that we're uncovering, like this is deep stuff. Like if I, if, uh, you know, if, if we're releasing these emotions and these connections they have to me, you know, I should be able to drink again. Right. And he was like, Oh man, you know what? Uh, yeah, I don't I wouldn't do that if I were you. Yeah. And yeah. I, well, when you mentioned that you can have a beer now, most people who, uh, 
especially with alcohol, but you know, basically any addiction. Mm, uh, any you addiction. know, I, I lots of people in AA, and and the the, uh, the general consensus is no, you can never have one ever again, and that's that. You know, I disagree that, with that completely. Yeah, well, if that works for you, God bless you. And uh, again, uh, I, I, but it, it, that's the way most people look at it. Now, mm-hmm. with the physical stuff, like alcohol can be in a physical addiction, heroin, meth, mm. cocaine. With that stuff, do you have to detox before you can start your program and start the ammonia uh, stuff, or or can you start it while you're still kind of addicted? Yeah, I definitely, definitely recommend uh, doing doing the physical detox beforehand. Okay. Yes. Uh, uh, and so. Um, yeah, you know, do you have any requirements on that kind of stuff? Like, like, because generally, like, for uh, like when you go into recovery programs, they get, like have a a different number of days depending on what the substance is and how, how long it should be out of your body. Do you do any of that stuff or not? Um, it's a case by case basis, and uh, yeah, I mean, I want to see you know with the individual, like, um, you know, before we start doing any work, I want to make sure that they are they're ready to do the work. That they right. want to do the work. It's not, it has to be on their, you know, as long as they're ready, you know, and they're ready to accept and ready to own up to where they are and what, you know, what they're, the life that they've created, you know, then, you know, we can start to make some changes. Uh, but until that, you know, until that point, you know, most people go to rehab and I did that, you know, the same thing, you know, it wasn't my choice, you know. And the Done. reason that I the reason that I ran away from America in my twenties because I had been in two car accidents, both because I was drunk, and then in my late uh, after I graduated school, I started making enough money where I could you know I could start doing cocaine again because I found that in college. But I was a college student, so I didn't have a lot of money. But when I started making money, I was like, "Whoa, it's on now." <laughs> So I found, you know, I re, re, uh, reignited my love affair with cocaine. And then, like, I got so deep into that. And I was like, I basically, I was like, oh, my God, I've done it again. Like, twice, you know, I put my parents through, you know, almost killing myself. And now I'm, you know, now I'm doing cocaine. And I basically, yeah, I just packed up bags and I ran away. So, you know, it can, like, we can beat it. Uh, the thing is, like, a lot of people hang on to the thing, like, like you, like you were talking about earlier, like, you know, addiction changes, you know, it changes us physically and it changes our brain. You know? But the thing is, like, you know, we are we've been taught to, to feel like we are helpless. Right. And that we're dependent on like, you know, other you know, like pharmaceuticals or, you know, whatever this program or that program to get us to get us through it. But or that, we, that we're stuck on that program. Right. You know, the thing is, like, you know, if we can change our brain, you know, with addiction in the first place, then we can change it back. You know, and, you know, it takes, you know, it takes some time. But like, you know, this is like it's possible. Like I'm I'm living proof. And there are quite a few other people. My wife has been through uh, food addiction, you know, and, you know, and you talk about something rough, you know, you talk about heroin and alcohol, you know, those are, those are rough, but like somebody with a food addiction, I mean, dude, we have to eat, you have to eat to live. Right. And can you imagine right. being, having an issue with something that, that you require to like, to yeah. sustain your living? That's tough. Yeah. I, I, I'm, you know what? I don't think I don't think it's a healthy thing to to kind of compare and say which is better and which is worse. Some it's not a competition of who's got the worst addictions, right? It's it's Whoa, like, no, but I'm just saying, you know, yeah, that know. is, you know, it's the it's, it is a it is a tough one. I know it is. But there are lots of ones that you know gambling it it uh it, it can be an addiction that could and it it's played a big role in my life, not that I was ever a uh compulsive gambler. But that's mm-hmm. part of the trauma that I grew up with and understanding it very well from being around it so much in my life. And mm-hmm. that's one that, you know, you, you see people losing everything they have in their entire life for for the thrill of that of, of a bet or something. That's, yeah. a, you know, they're all, all of it. Now, in the intro, I said, because we get a lot of pushback, especially when people use 
words like life coach to describe themselves and all that stuff. A lot of people uh, reject that. And I understand that's the, the semantics of it. And sometimes the words can be a, a problem with that. But when whenever people are listening to somebody who, who has found something that has helped them and they get they get excited enough about it to want to share it with the world because this helped me and it, it helped save my life. Now I think it can help you and I want to share it with you. Right. Uh, people, people expect people like you to be perfect. Oh, is he living a perfect life? If not, you know, and, and so that's a, that's a big part of the challenge is getting through people's minds that nobody's ever going to be perfect. Perfect. We, we, you're never going to reach perfection in this whole life. All we want all that matters is, you found help and have moved and have bettered than you were in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. what would you say to people? Cause I know what I, I would say on, on this subject, but I'm just curious about how you would address that. Oh, well you live a perfect life. Are you, are you happy? Are you perfectly happy in everything you do now? No, I mean, I'm still striving to, 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 yeah, to, I'm working with my, my big thing right now is uh, the business, right? Growing, growing Amoni. So right. everything else, my the rest of my life is going fairly well. But what, uh, was it perfect? No, of course not. I mean, we right. all have bumps in the road. I mean, two weeks ago, uh, my wife and I got COVID. So, you know, and that was for me, that was like a real mind. Uh, uh, the, the physical implications of it weren't that weren't that bad. Uh, but man, I just really played with my head. And, um, so yeah, I mean, we're always, we're always battling. We're always working with something to, and growing and changing somehow. I mean, you and I are completely different persons, uh, than we were when we first started this interview. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Changes, changes constant. So right. very, yeah. very good point. Uh, uh, but now, cause I want to move into, cause past addictions to the, the next part of it. And you talked about everything, everything is a relationship. Everything in our life is a relationship, mm -hmm. but I have somebody in my life right now, a younger person. I don't want to give too much away because people, you know, I don't, yeah, I, <laughs> I don't want to put somebody else's private stuff out there. Right. My own stuff I'm fine with. Right. Uh, but somebody in my life um, going through some struggles with mm -hmm. a personal, you know, intimate relation, you know, uh -huh. husband and wife type of thing. Right. And my, my counseling on that is that we spend too much time looking at others and thinking their life is perfect or judging ourselves against other uh, other people and looking at uh, other people's relationships. My, oh, they're so happy together. Why can't we be like that? And I'm like, <laughs> you can't, you can't get locked into judging somebody else from the outside because nobody, nobody's life, you can't know them till you live their own in, in their shoes. So you have to concentrate on your, your own stuff. And what does it really mean for you to be happy. So I'm just wondering what, what your approach to that. I know you mentioned everything as a relationship, but specifically those kind of relationships, husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, any of that kind of stuff in those relationships. How does the system that you use uh, deal with those kind of things? Yeah, no problem. Um, if you want to heal any relationship, any relationship, you start with yourself. Yeah. And there, once you, once you work on how you perceive the situation uh, and the emotions that you're bringing to the situation or the relationship, then, then the relationship changes. Right. Yeah. And if yeah. it doesn't, then you have the, then you didn't, then you didn't have the clarity, the awareness to say, you know, this is not suiting me. So now I should, now I should move on. But um, you know, in many instances, once we once we change, once we do the work, because we're always, you know, most of the time, you know, when we're fighting or we're in an argument with an individual, we're like, you doing this, you're doing that, you're blah, blah, blah. You're always pointing the finger. But we need to turn that finger back around and point it at where it really needs to rest. Right. The attention needs to rest on ourselves. Yeah. You know what I always think about, because people always bring up, you know, counseling, couples counseling, marriage counseling, all that kind of stuff. I think most of people who get, go to that and I don't, because my wife and I had years ago, we went to uh, uh, couples counseling. Mm -hmm. And basically what that is, is each party in the relationship is going to that third party 
uh, to, hoping they're going to back up my side of the story. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, 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 you're yeah. right. She's the bad one, or she's going to. Yeah, he's the bad one. Whatever it is, just you're wanting them to take your side of it, and so part, all of it in relationship is a give and take. But to your point about it starts with self. How do you break down the resistance? Because the resistance to honestly look at yourself and take a, 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 a true and honest self-assessment because denial and wanting to believe it's all the other person's fault, I think is a natural fallback for everybody who's having a relationship problem. Like, can't be me. It can't be me. Can it be me? Yeah. <laughs> that's the, you know, that's the, that's the awareness, right? And that, you know, that the awareness has to come for us to make changes, right? Because most of us, we're, you know, we're always, we're programmed to look at the outside world. I mean, that's how we begin our lives, right? We use our senses to, to make sense of the world and, you know, the, and pick up, you know, what we're, what we're seeing, what we're feeling, what we're, what we're smelling, what we're hearing, everything. Everything is based on our perception is based on the external world, right? So we're always looking outward, right? I think I saw a cartoon one time and it was like, um, an angel talking to God or something. I don't know, like an angel talking to like the, the entity, right? I don't know, God, Buddha, whatever it is. And um, they were talking about uh, consciousness and, you know, they were like, uh, the angel was like, where, where should we hide consciousness? Should we hide it like on the highest mountain um, and God was like, no, she would hide it at the bottom of the deepest ocean. And God was like, no. And the angel was like, well, where, where, where are we going to put this consciousness that, that will help them, you know, solve all their problems? And God was like, I will put it somewhere that they will never look. And the angel was like, where is that? He's like, inside them. <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, somewhere. I don't know if I read it on your website or in a synopsis of the book or somewhere uh, about the idea of frustration being important. Frustration can be a tool. Uh, mm -hmm. that, that's a confusing concept for me. Can you enlighten me a little bit about what that means? Yeah, frustration. Like it's, frustration can be our salvation. Like it's a, like a spotlight right on like right on our problem. So the thing is, like we have. Imagine two different gears, right? So one gear is the subconscious, right? And your subconscious, your programs, right? Telling you, you know, how you how you react to the outside world. And then the second gear would be your conscious intentions, like what you want, you know, the things you want for yourself, you for your relationships, for your business, for for whatever it is, right? These are the your your hopes and dreams, the things that you're after, right? Well, the thing is, like, on many times, I'll, I'll use uh, like drinking, for example. Right. You know, many times like we want to stop drinking, but our subconscious programs are keeping us drinking or keeping us self-sabotaging or keeping us using that that uh, vehicle of uh, addiction because we don't feel worthy or for whatever reason that we've programmed. Right. And so the frustration that we feel that when we try to quit drinking is our conscious intention, like us, like, all right, man, I'm fed up with this. Like, I'm tired of, like, you know, waking up, you know, in my own vomit or passed out or, you know, whatever. That conscious intention of you wanting to stop is going against the subconscious emotions of you, you know, of you basically being addicted and, and, and that program that you're running. That frustration is that friction that you feel between those two gears, between that conscious intention and the subconscious program. So once you find that, when you feel that frustration that, that, you know, like that's where that's an area where I need to work. Right. How long, how, how long did it take you to kind of, first of all, realize that you, uh, as you put it, was a, were a runner and needed to stop that or needed to, to deal with that? Was it instantaneous or was it one session? Was it? Talk to me about how long it took to kind of get to that realization of self-awareness. Oh, I would say like during my first session, it was like when I really uncovered like my own, my own, my own perception of my self-worth and my really negative self-worth. And from then on, like as we were going through these sessions and we were, we were uncovering these emotions, like, you know, self-awareness is like, I kind of like to 
describe it as like bubbles. Like, you know, imagine a little kid like dipping that little wand into a little plastic bottle and like blowing out and like bubbles just blowing out in the air, right? Once we like the self-awareness happens is it's like it's like going or going up to those bubbles and just popping them, right? And once those bubbles pop, those bubbles are like the program. So once you pop that bubble, it's like, oh, whoa, 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 oh my God, I've been doing this. I have been thinking this. I've been feeling this. Like I've been uh, this energy. I've been holding on to anger and blah, blah, blah. And like once those things pop, it's like, whoa. And that's your awareness. That's when you realize like, oh my God, I've been doing such and such. I've been thinking such and such. I've been feeling such and such. And once once you have that awareness, that's when you can make a change. Because before that instant, before that instance, you know, the things that you thought, felt, done, you know, all those things have been uh, flying under the radar. They've just been pro- programs that you cue when you're in routine. And most of us, 90%, 95% of the day, we're just running on routine, right? We get up, we brush our teeth, we go to work, we go, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And we do that. We don't even think. And when we're not thinking, when we're in routine, we're in this domain of the subconscious. And when we're in the domain of the subconscious, those programs are running our life. And when you find those bubbles and when you pop them and you, when you're aware, then you're like, whoa, I'm doing this. And when you're finally aware, that's when you can make a change. Because you can't change if you don't know what you're doing, right? Of course, of course. Uh, that's just common sense, I think. But right. co- common sense is something that's not all that common. <laughs> no, it's uh, not right. But... Uh, does forgiveness play a role in what you, what you talk about? Because and there are a couple of different levels of forgiveness: forgiveness of self, forgiving yourself for all the, you know, for not being aware of your of the patterns that you've run your whole life and all that stuff. But then in the traditional recovery programs, like AA or twelve step programs, they say you know you you, you go to people and you kind of. Uh, not ask for forgiveness, but but ex- explain that you're sorry and show show remorse for whoever you hurt in your life and all that kind of stuff. And with that, generally comes some forgiveness. You can't mm-hmm. promise that. But do, 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 do you deal with that at all? Because it seems like because you talked about guilt being one of those heavy emotions that resonates. Mm-hmm. On, you know, it would yeah. seem that if you if you don't forgive yourself, you're going to be stuck with that guilt for for a long time and not be able to escape that. So. If you could just talk to me about if, if at all, that forgiveness yeah. plays any role in what you're talking. Yeah, about. I definitely feel like forgiveness is a huge part, and it's just a natural part of the of the progress of when you're of the self awareness. So, like, so when you when you realize that you've been doing this, then you go through you know some almost a mourning process, right? So you you realize like, oh my god, I've been doing this to myself, and then it's kind of like, oh my god, why have I been doing this to myself? And then it's like. Oh my God, because of this, you know, because of these programs that I've installed, you know, because, you know, you realize that it is your fault. And that is the most, that is the most beautiful part of the process, realizing, because then, you know, we talked about earlier, you know, pointing the finger, right? That finger just turns right back around and it's like, oh, oh. And but, but the most beautiful part of that process is that, when you stop pointing the finger at other people and you realize that the decisions that you've made have created the life you live and like you are where you are because of everything that you have done, right? Then you can like, that's when you can finally own the situation. You can own where you are. You can own yourself and like totally, totally begin making changes. Yeah, I agree. And I hear what you're saying, but this part and the but, of course, in NLP, you you know what but means. Uh, But but um, that's where I think forgiveness comes in, because the patterns that and the choices that you made were uh, and, and you've said this yourself started in childhood now you can't expect a child to to be all that self-aware and be necessarily responsible for the patterns and 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 uh mechanisms for dealing with trauma that they develop so that's where i think forgiveness does self-forgiveness you have to realize that you were a kid when you when you exactly exactly (laughs) yeah and it's not that you know it's not like you know uh you know you when i say you know you you turn the blame on yourself and you realize, you know, you created this, you know, you, you realize, and that's the beauty of it is that you realize that this, that the child that, 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 that 
uh, embodied these emotions, you know, was did so, you know, as as they as they were growing, as they were as they were using these emotions to make sense of the world, and you know, it may have been uh, an ill an ill intended response to you know a stimulus to an outside stimuli, but it was you that grabbed onto that emotion. You know, maybe it's subconscious you, but you did it right, and that is part of the ownership. And it's like you know, once you own it, then you can be like, oh, okay, now I did that as a kid. But that little kid, like you know, I can't, you know, he was just doing the best that he could, you know. And right. that's when you, and that's when you experience a tremendous amount of self love. And it's like, oh my god, you know, this poor little kid going through the situation, and like that's how he or she, you know. Uh, uh, embodied this, this, this instance. And I was like, Oh, you know, you poor little kid, you know? And it's just, it's just, a, just, you just flood. And that's, that's basically one of the big reasons that I came up with the re, uh, name Amo Ni too. Um, because it's just a huge amount of self-love that flows through you. Um, what the first book I read, um, one of the first self-help books I read was, uh, love yourself like your life depends on it, I think it is. And I remember I put a little sticky note on my mirror as I was going through this book. And it basically said, I love you. And I would go in the mirror and I would, you know, every time I went to the restroom, I would I would look in the mirror and I would try to say that those words. And I, after a few weeks, I just tore it down. I was like, oh, I hate myself. I, I don't. I don't love myself. Yeah. But going through this work and like and discovering like, you know, that, you know, these decisions were made by a child. And, it, you know, how, you, how can you have anything but love for a child? Right. So it's just yeah. like it's, you know, especially your own child. And when that happens, it's just, yeah, you can you know you look in the mirror and you can say and you will say, I love you. And that's, that's just, just so I'm, I've struggled with that. And because somebody brought that up uh not too long ago, a couple of months ago on, on the show about looking in the mirror and telling yourself you, you love yourself. And I was just like, that's just a, it, that comes really hard for me. And the, I do have some degree, uh, and I work on it all the time, of, of self-forgiveness. And I talk about my childhood all the time, and I'm very conscious and aware that I don't want to paint my parents as uh, as uh, villains in, in this subject because... First of all, nobody is a good parent. And, you know, there's no book on how to be a good parent. They mm -hmm. were doing the best they could, flawed people as they were, and I forgive them. But they are part of my story and part of why I became the person I was. And I, I think to negate that and to ignore it would be, you know, denial on my own part. So I have to exactly. kind of, But um, that, that part about I, – I live my life in almost wishing that I could have the innocence back that I had when I didn't know the world for what it is. <laughs> and, that, and I think that that's part of why I have a tough time looking in the mirror and saying, cause I know what I've done and what, and yeah, I can forgive myself for some of it, but I know it's at some point, man, if, if there is a God, he's not happy with me at all. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, you know, that's, you know, the, judgment that, that that we put you know not on not only on others but we put on ourselves as well and you know i it's i really i like what you said about your parents it's it's, it's so true that you know we i mean we grew up with these individuals and they have a direct influence on our lives right and then like like you said they're just doing the best that they can and like you know there's no instruction manual so um it is uh yeah it's it's uh, just realizing that, you know, we're all doing the best that we can. You know, you've right. done stuff. We've done stuff. Everybody's done stuff, you know, yeah. that we're not happy about. We're not proud of, you know, not even you know, some people might not have done like physical actions, but they had the thoughts or, you know, it, it happens on many different levels and people judge themselves. You might judge themselves on the things that you did, but somebody else might judge themselves on all, you know, the things that they thought. Right. And so, it's not, you know, we are not, we're all just doing the best we can. I agree. I, and that's a great message uh, to kind of uh, wrap this up on now. I want to show people, so you have three books out, Ammo, Abundance, Ammo, 
Uh, well, let me look at Ammo Movement and Ammo Form, and they're mm-hmm. available at Ammo Knee Clear dot uh, com, which is your website. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so, is there any um, where do they start? Which which one of the three books they start with? Which, is there an order that they're supposed to be read in? Yeah, actually, I put I bundled these together into the program that I'm working that I'm doing now. So um, yeah, these are all I had them on Amazon and I pulled them on Amazon because I was talking with a business advisor and he was like, uh, "Dude, don't do that." So. Right. Um, actually, yeah, I, I bundled them into the work that I do now. And as I guide people through this work and then I give them the, 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 the books so they can use to, uh, you know, to work with uh, abundance. The, the one for form is for addiction. The one for movement is for to help move the emotions that we've, uh, that we've anchored to our physical body. I have one called... Amo Evolution, which is an advanced work. I have another one called Amo Harmony, which is uh, to work with anger. Um, so, yeah, I've got a whole program, and all of that stuff is included in, in the, the post work that uh, the individual will do with themselves. And the, actually, I will do with them uh, once we finish the course. Um, gotcha. So, how does it start? They go to the website and do like a, is there like a form consultation? What is, how, how do they get started if they want to? Yeah, go check out the website. Um, on the, the very top of the website, I've got uh, webinars that I'm doing live uh, weekly. and so they Yeah, so because you're in Taiwan, most of the stuff has to be like this, remote, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't think they have to ta- travel to Taiwan. To- no, 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 no. Everything, <laughs> everything can be done online. All right. The link is in the description. It's amoniclear.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can get started tonight right what time is it there <laughs> um it is uh let's see what time is it uh it's nine nine o'clock in the morning in the morning and it's nine o'clock so you're actually 12 hours 12, yeah i'm 12, 12 hours ahead of east coast july 6th over there <laughs> uh today's fifth yeah today's six yeah, yes uh, it's just so weird talking away all the way around the world we do it a lot though i mean i talked to australia I, the first time i've had anybody on who's been in taiwan uh, so that's a first for us. I wish you great success with this, man. And I, and I hope people will check so out. Much, Again, I support anything that, that helps people. If this helps people, I'm all for people checking it out. I just want people to keep an open mind to it. And they can learn more on the website. And it's linked to in, in the website. So, uh, Thank you so much, Matt. I really great. You're welcome back anytime if you want to you wanna continue this conversation or, or you know, wherever it goes. I, I, I uh, appreciate you being here tonight. Enjoy talking with you. And if you feel the need to come back anytime, I'd, I'd love to have you. I think I'd love that too. Okay. All right. Have a good night. Bye for now. Right. Oh, good day. <laughs> <laughs> you too, man. Bye. Uh, Bo Bissett, folks. Uh, great conversation there. I, I think some important stuff. Again, I want to stress, keep an open mind. It, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with some issues and you, you want some help, and you've tried other things that haven't worked, why not uh, look further into this? Ammoneclear.com. The link is in the description. Uh, Bo seems like a very authentic, um, real person. You know, not not a phony, not somebody who's just trying to um, just sell you on, on some latest diet fad or whatever that kind of, you know, somebody who's just snake oil salesman. He seems like a real authentic person. Why not, if you are dealing with stuff that you need help with, uh, give him a chance and, and, and check out his website and see what you can learn about it and see if you're interested in, in uh, what he does and what, it, what he has uh, found. So that's my message for tonight. I hope you uh, enjoyed this program. Write to me at info at minddogtv.com, info at minddogtv.com. Let me know what you thought. Um, tomorrow morning, what do I have tomorrow morning? Uh CJ Hightower will be with me on, for Coffee with the Dog tomorrow. CJ is a uh, very funny comedian out of uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Hot Atlanta, as, as they say. Uh, so I look forward to that. Please join me then. Until uh, then, I'm Matt Napa for the Mind Dog TV podcast. Have a great rest of your night or day if you happen to be around the rest of the uh, on the other side of the world. And I'll see you tomorrow or later today if you happen to be on the other side of the world. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. Have a great night. Bye for now.
listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me now.